Brett Friedlander, Saturday Road, ACC columnist, not a Norwegian, not naturally uh, strong, just like me. Not naturally strong, not a candidate for a world's strongest man competition. Uh, but he joins us to talk a little hoops here on the Adam Gold Show. Uh, sorry, you missed uh, you missed all the fun with Morgan Ensberg. Um, Duke last night, good, bad. Uh, we had all of it. I think uh, it, it got hairier than it needed to, probably for John Shire's liking. Uh, what are your overall thoughts coming out of that? Well, first of all, let me say that I am a proud graduate of the real Carolina, the real USC, the one you that just kicked not. the crap out of Kentucky last night. They did. So Good for them. <laughs> as far as Duke is concerned, I, listen, they did what they had to do. You, you can't go to Louisville and lose. Uh, right. Because that's a resume killer. So they did that. Um, we'll see how, how Jeremy Roach is because I think he's totally he, – he is the absolute integral part of that that, that – they are not going to be as good as they can be if Jeremy Roach is not, uh, you know, a hundred percent and playing at his at, at his best. Um, listen, it's a team that is really kind of fundamentally flawed, and that is they just don't have an inside presence. You know, if if Derek Lively was on this team, oh, I defensively, would say yeah, they would be, you know, one of the top contenders to win a national championship. And, and now I think how far they end up going in March is going to depend entirely on matchups. And, you know, I, they, just, they just don't have that, that verve inside, to, to use a K term. Uh, Mark Mitchell being back definitely helps. Um, I think last night was good. I don't know that it was encouraging, uh, but they did what they had to do. I, I'm, I'm, I want to see what they do against a better team on the road before I start making judgments as to where they are right now. Fred Friedlander joining us, ACC columnist, Saturday Road. Here's the thing about it. Uh, go, at the beginning of the season, I thought their most important player was going to be Tyrone. Kyle Filipowski is their, their best player, the most important player. But the player that could have put them into a different stratosphere was Tyrese Proctor. And we haven't yeah. seen great Tyrese Proctor. And then as the season has worn on, the way Jeremy Roach has really – uh, been able to settle them and keep them either in games or in front of games. I thought the way Roach had been playing, he kind of stepped in front. There was at least the encouraging sign that Proctor was great offensively yes. last night. Like I almost don't even want it to be about the three ball, but it was good to see him knock those down. But I think it's the other stuff and the more assertiveness. Don't defer. Be the floor leader and then let Roach play off of you. I mean, obviously, it's hard to say that we got that last night because Roach didn't play that much. No, the the Tyrese Proctor that ended last season was just the one that everybody expected. Yeah. And he has not been. Now, he's shown some flashes of it. The second half of the Georgia Tech game, uh, the first half, especially last night. But it just hasn't really happen and and maybe it's because McCain and Foster have come in and everybody's roles have kind of changed and he hasn't figured it out or or I'm not sure what's going on but for Duke to really be effective you're right they need Tyrese Proctor to be Tyrese Proctor from last year and him and Roach working together uh is is essential and again we we don't know what what Roach's situation is going to be moving forward here in the next few weeks. Yeah, it looked like a different injury. It looked like an ankle yeah. as opposed to a knee. That's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, but you, when you're watching a Duke game and you see Jeremy Roach limping around, you go, oh, my gosh, it's still, you know, he's still got issues. But 
hopefully, you know, they'll uh, they'll be able to get through it. But yeah, they need they need Mitchell healthy, they need Roach healthy, and they need Proctor to return to being Tyrese Proctor. It's cool to see Sean Stewart play effectively mm-hmm. last night. He does give them a little bit uh, another dimension. Uh, before I get to the state game tonight, Carolina, who played uh, Monday night against Wake Forest, uh, and I keep saying this, I'm going to make this a thing as much as I can. I love the fact, we know what their DNA is as a program. It's all about beautiful offense, and they score <laughs> the ball like like almost nobody has in the history of the game. But this team is based on defense, and that combination puts them in a different place in the game. Yeah. What, what do you see from them? Well, I see Hubert Davis growing as a coach right before our eyes. Um, you know, he's learned to use his bench. Uh, you know, he saw that that whole switching defensive thing wasn't working <laughs> and, and abandoned it. And look what they've done over the last nine games. Uh, they haven't given up more than 70 points in any one of those games. And like you said, they can score with the best of them. So. 70 was to Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> so, a game that allowed so. them to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, all of Roy Williams' best teams, including the ones that won championships, would always be able to put the ball in the basket. But the ones that really went deep into March were the ones that, that learned to defend and locked down, especially as the season went on late in the year. This one's happening a lot earlier. And that, to me, is the, is the uh, beyond the fact that he's using his depth and they've got some mental toughness that they didn't have last year. Uh, Harrison Ingram and, mm-hmm. and Cormac Ryan have given this team uh, an edge that last year's team didn't have. Uh, Elliot Cadeau is, 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 is a, a facilitator who is keeping everybody happy. They just have a chemistry. But it's the defensive element of this team that really makes me believe they've got a shot of winning the whole thing. Oh, I, there's, there is no doubt that this team has a chance. Because it's it to me they're not reliant on Armando Baycott. No. I mean, <clears throat> Kyle Filipowski or R.J. Davis, they are the ACC's Player of the Year. And the more and Adam, North Carolina wins, the more it, it you can lean to R.J. The thing about it is too, and what really makes Carolina dangerous is that R.J. doesn't need to score thirty six for them to win. If you want to take your chances and and shut him down, fine. <laughs> Cormack will throw in some threes. Yep. And, you know, when they play Duke, uh, I, I would expect that Baycott's going to have a big game because they're, gonna, they're not going to have anybody to defend him down low. Uh, you know, they've got so many options. Harrison, you know, Ingram can make threes. He could, he could back guys in. Uh, they've got so many options offensively that, that you know, it, it doesn't matter. You choose your poison with those guys. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're awfully good. And because of the way they defend, I mean, I th- I just think they're all super fun to watch as well. Uh, if 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 Cormac Ryan played in a different shade of blue, would he be the most hated player in the league? <laughs> yes. I love it without without question. I without question. love watching Cormac Ryan play, <laughs> but it would it's interesting if the uh, if he was playing somewhere else, how the narrative would have changed. Um, NC State has shown us a pretty high end at times, and they've also shown us unfortunately a low end. At times, I don't think their uh, their best uh, their best moment was this past weekend at home to Virginia Tech. That's not a team that should score eighty four on a team I think is potentially as good as NC State. Uh, what is how do they get more consistent? Well, I, I think it starts on the defensive end because when they have been at their best, I mean they're going to score. They've got some guys that can put the ball in the basket. 
But when they're at their best, and we're thinking the second half against um, uh, against uh, Wake Forest, we're thinking that whole game against Virginia, they lock people down. And when they get intense and they play that full-court defense and they just pressure the ball and make you start your offense like almost to the half-court line, uh, they make it real difficult to score. Uh, that's what they have to do. And tonight in particular in Charlottesville, uh, given the way Virginia plays that pack line defense, DJ Burns is not going to be effective inside. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to score inside consistently. They're going to have to knock down some threes. And that's the other thing. When they've been really good, they've shot well. But when they haven't shot well, they have just been dreadful. Uh, <laughs> the Carolina game, uh, the, the, the Wake Forest game, uh, the first half of Virginia Tech. Uh, they gotta, they've got to get more consistent shooting the ball from the perimeter because uh, uh, if, well, on nights that the defense isn't there, you better be able to put the ball in the basket, and tonight's one of those. And this week is a really pivotal week for the Wolfpack because they start out 5-1, and one, really great, first time since, what, David Thompson and yeah. all. And, but if they go on the road and lose to Virginia tonight and lose to Syracuse on Saturday, all of a sudden now they're, what, 5-5? Five and five? And that start is gone, or five and four, or whatever. Five and yeah, four. I don't know math. Yeah, and, and now math. you're back in the pack, and now with no yep. really good wins, you're you're watching the net, and and you're you're in desperation mode now. So I think that they have to win at least one of these games, and tonight's a quad one game, so tonight would be the one. But in in a perfect world, they need to win two of these games. Uh, be seven and two, and now you're set up for a really good run in the second half of the ACC schedule. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, and I know you focus on this as well because I follow Brett Friedlander at uh, <laughs> on Twitter at BFreedACC. Uh, every mock bracket right now has just three ACC teams in it. All of them. We've got yeah. Carolina, we've got Duke, and we've got Clemson, and that's it. And I think we all think and know that there are more good teams than those than just those three, but because we are beholden on metrics like the net, then it's easy for the oh, there's just not enough good teams. Because how do you get how do you get you know how does your resume get built? Quad one wins. There are not a lot of quad one opportunities, unfortunately, especially on your home court. You've only got a couple that you can get on the road. As well, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. At some point, the ACC either has to crack that code like other leagues have because they've got pretty good non-conference results, right? They've got a bunch of good non-conference wins, but for some reason they haven't figured out the math of the uh, of the net. Uh, all right, I'm going to let you go here. At B-Freed ACC, um, the, uh, first of all, congratulations to the state of North Carolina. We can all wager. <laughs> On March 11th, I know you tweeted about that. You have uh, R.J. Davis as the front runner for ACC Player of the Year, which I mean, I'm not going to argue. He's been uh, absolutely amazing, but you didn't go to the real SC or the real Carolina. <laughs> uh, but that's all right. Uh, I appreciate you uh, you weighing in on that side of the ledger, uh, Brett Friedlander. I appreciate your time, man. All right, Adam. Take care, man. We'll talk to you soon, Brett Friedlander. Here, Saturday Road ACC columnist. Love talking to him.